Hi guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of By Pumpkin. It has been an incredibly busy week. It is Halloween, early in the day. I've had I've been recording all week. Like there are hours of content of me this week. Uh, if you are a member of my Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com backslash by pumpkin, um, you got a episode on American uh, Family, or maybe it was American Murder. It was I think it was American Murder Family Next Door. That documentary on Netflix. Uh, you got that earlier this week. Uh, Patreon members also got a Princess Diaries episode where I just really talk about everything I've been going through lately. Um, I also... Did a Hogan's Knows Best episode. And if you listen to Feathers in My Hair, the Liz Bentley podcast, I'm on there this week too. So tons and tons of content. Guys, go check it out. Also follow me at OKThenPrincess on Twitter and Instagram. And follow me at Buy Pumpkin Podcast on Instagram. So <laughs> before I get started, I want to thank Liz's cool lesbian friend. I don't know her name. <laughs> The, I just got a text last, I believe it was last Sunday morning. I got, I woke up to a text that said from Liz that said that her cool lesbian friend wanted to tell her, tell me, wanted her to tell me that she liked the, my L word, um, the real L word recaps. Awesome. Thank you. Cool lesbian friends. And also to leave Hanson alone. Cause I think I talked about how Mbop is on like my everyday playlist. I have a playlist on my phone and I just call it every day. And it's just songs that I'm willing to hear every day of my life. And so if I want to play music, I don't have to look for music. I just go, oh, I'll get to my everyday playlist because whatever's on there, I want to hear. And I don't remember talking about that, but I don't remember talking about a lot of shit I say. Okay, so <laughs> I might have talked about it. This is This happens to me all the time. People will be on Twitter and they'll be like, hey, and then they'll say some random fact about me and I'll be like how the fuck do you know that what do you mean how did you find that out meanwhile I do multiple podcasts a week where I only talk about myself <laughs> and give out random facts about me so like I was surprised but also like girl you know how they know but, but then I was like well wait a second what do I need to know about Hanson that I don't know and Liz told me they like all lives mattered uh, and I was like, oh my God, you know, I just want to know less about people, like people in general. And this is crazy coming from like someone who is a grade A nosy motherfucker. I just want to know less, especially about celebrities. I, I don't want to hear about Kim Kardashian's COVID trip. <laughs> I don't want to hear about that fucking hologram. I don't want to hear about that shit anymore. I don't fucking care. I just want people to be quiet. Like, obviously, you know, I really, really, I'm not the cool lesbian friend. I don't want her to be quiet. I want Hanson to be quiet. Like, why do you need to tell me this, Hanson? I mean, I, I guess, I guess I should have fucking known because guess, because they're like super Christian, right? I don't know. But just ruining my fucking life, you know? And obviously I took it off. So I can't mbop as anymore. <laughs> but like, this is like, this is my whole life. Do you think that I want to hear remix to ignition? It's the remix to ignition. Hot and fresh out the kitchen. Mama rolling her body. Got every man in here wishing. 
<laughs> Do you think I want to hear that song? But I can't because he's a fucking uh, sex slave master and he kills people, not kills people, but <laughs> he kills their spirits and he, he, he abuses young women and he's, he's literally a pedophile. <laughs> I want to, to play. I'm a flirt. I would love to play. Uh, what's the song where he's talking to his mama in the sky? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I think it's, I believe I can fly. I would love to play. I believe I can fly. I believe I can fly was played at every fucking of school graduation event of my childhood, of my youth. I would love to play that fucking song. You know what I love to play? I love to play Man in the Mirror. I love that fucking song. Love it, love it, love it. Can't, because he's a rapist. He's a child rapist. Like, I just want people to be quiet. And I know that like, <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't, the last two people I was talking about, I, they were quiet about their crimes. Don't, don't get me wrong. They certainly didn't tell us about their crimes. That's not who I'm talking about. But I'm talking about like, Celebrities who just like really want to make it known that I'm rich and not black anymore. Lil Wayne. I like, I just, Kanye. Kanye's a college dropout. There's a song on there called Family Business that I love so fucking much. But that's old Kanye. New Kanye out here emotionally terrorizing all of us. <laughs> and I can't listen. I just like it. What's the chick that wrote Harry Potter? That bitch. She out here just letting us know how terrible she is. I loved it when like racists and transphobes were just kept it to themselves. Like I didn't have to know about it. You just were like mm. racist inside, but on the outside, you just like. Let me consume your art. You know what I mean? When can we get back to that? Like mysterious. When when can we when can people be mysterious again? I'd love to I love 2021 to be the era of mysterious where I just don't even fucking know. Where all I know is that you done put out a bop and I'm enjoying it. That's all the fuck I know about you. I'd love I'd love to usher in a new era of that. And I just feel like if I were like a rich person. I, like, obviously, I know people listening to this are like, yeah, Princess, you don't want people to speak up when they're speaking against your stuff. Y you're right. I'm a motherfucking hypocrite. I've been one. I talk about it all the time. I'm a hypocrite. Okay? <laughs> but I think I could do well with people just not talking at all, especially celebrities. I, you know, Chris Pratt has fucking ruined, um... Parks and Rec for me. I would love to sit down and rewatch Parks and Rec, but I can't because I really liked Andy Dwyer and I like my Chris Pratt, my Chris Pratt, fluffy and quiet. That's how I like him. And now he's lost some weight and he out here supporting causes that hate gay people, white nationalist organizations. And there's, I know there's people out here that are like, well, listen, he didn't know. They like to hunt and he likes to hunt too. I don't fucking care. So now Parks and Rec is ruined for me. I can't go back and watch it. I can't, well, there's a lot of reasons I can't watch Parks and Rec. We ain't gonna get into it. But 
he's the main reason, to be honest. And I just think that if I had like a ton of money and was famous, I just feel like I would just let that be. I would just let them, I would just be famous and, and rich and I'd just be quiet. Nobody wants to hear from rich people right now. People, <laughs> the biggest unemployment, <laughs> the biggest unemployment numbers in recent history. Nobody wants to hear about you from you, Richie Rich, about what you think. You don't think shit. And also, Little Wayne, this is, this is a problem I have with Little Wayne. Little Wayne, <laughs> Little Wayne is in a drug induced stupor 99% of the time. We don't hear from him, we don't see, really see him. He out here making babies. His kids don't see from him. I mean, they get the checks. I'll say that about him. But, you know, his daughter, Regine, has talked openly about how when she was, like, younger, she didn't really see Lil Wayne a lot. I mean, he obviously financed their, her and her mother's life. But um, she didn't really see him. And the good thing about being older is that she can just get on a plane and go see him. And I'm like, girl... <laughs> fine but like so he is just not he's someone who is not of this planet until four days before the fucking election and then all of a sudden he's like i just want you to know nobody cares nobody fucking cares shut up Lil wayne anyway <laughs> if i were like rich and famous i think i just like wouldn't talk at all i have a finsta Maybe not even a Finsta, because what would I need it for? I'm too rich and famous to even need to look at Instagram. Maybe my I have a Finsta, but it'd be blank. I just wanted to look at other people's shit. I wouldn't be on Twitter. Like, if let's say this podcast blows up. I don't know how. I'm not promoting it anywhere. <laughs> let's say somehow this podcast blows up, and I just start making gobs of money on it, and I just become a very famous person. You ain't gonna hear from me, okay? <laughs> I'll just be too rigid. I'll be look, I'll be too busy just being satisfied. <laughs> I'll just be too busy doing that. Um, I mean, <laughs> I might have a Twitter, and the and the 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 handle will be definitely not princess. And <laughs> you just you just see that this this uh, Twitter with like zero followers. <laughs> And no profile pic is just constantly in Liz and Kara's mentions. Constantly. Just liking everything. And, <laughs> and you're like, is that princess? I'm like, nope, nope, not me. <laughs> Look at the handle. It says definitely not princess. <sighs> I really just bring back mystery 2021. And I know that like I, this is rich coming from someone like me who gushes and tells all her business well, not all of it, but, I, but I'm definitely a very transparent person and I'm a super nosy person, but I honestly don't need to hear from celebrities anymore. I really don't. I, I just, it's so crazy, you know? It's so crazy, the stuff they think matters. Like, which Chris is the best? It's never gonna be Chris Pratt, ever. Ever. And not just because he is absolutely on the wrong fucking side of history. It is because, I don't know. There are better Chris's out there. There's, it's just, Chris is a very, is a very common name. And I just feel like they're making too many Chris's for Chris Pratt to ever get up the ladder for it. Just, it's not happening. It's not going to happen. 
And I just like, I, I wish that we could get away from, like, I don't even care about celebrity gossip like that anymore. I really, like, I am a true gossip. Like, you could be gossiping about anything. I saw a tweet somewhere that said, like, fuck celebrity gossip. I want to know why the overnight employees at Coles are mad at each other. And that's my spirit right there. That is who I am inside. That's my soul. I absolutely want to know why your cousin doesn't have custody of her kids. I absolutely want to know about the name of your childhood dog and what happened to that dog. I just, I want to know people's business like that. And uh, listen, a lot of that shit's more interesting than some of the shit celebrity gossip has been serving us up. I'm just tired. And, <laughs> and I definitely like, I just want to be, you know what? We should call it micro gossip because it's really gossip that only matters to a small amount of people and only affects like a very small amount of people. By the way, shout out to Sarah. I hope, I think that's how I say your name. I've never said your name anywhere, but she's, um, I follow her on Twitter and she DM'd me <laughs> some gossip about some people I don't even fucking know. And it was good. I think they're Canadians. They even, there's not even happening in this country. And I was like, this is some good gossip. Shit. Don't DM me guys. You know, I'm not really checking my DMs. It was a fluke that I saw it. But <laughs> Damn, that was some good gossip. Mm. So anyway, <laughs> let's talk about this episode, okay? Um, it's the real L word. It is... Uh, I did not check which episode it is. I should know these things, but <sighs> whatever. Guys, you know Sean Connery's dead, right? Is this like incredibly important to you? Exactly. It's not that important to me. Also, he was like 90 years old and I just, I'm not trying to be mean, but okay. You, we got to 90, okay? You know, like, I'm not very shocked about all this. <laughs> Rest in peace, Sean Connery. The Rock is an excellent movie. So good. <laughs> it's a really fucking good movie. It's Nick Cage doing his, <laughs> you can't see me, but I'm moving erratically. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really good. It's good. <sighs> anyway, so this one's this one is called Gambling with Love. It is season one, episode four. It's it was it came out July eleventh, twenty ten, and we start this one with them asking the question about lesbian sex. Like, I don't know what the question was, but it might have been like, how would you describe le lesbian sex or? Something like that. And Mikey says it's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, Nikki says it can go on and on and on. It's not a one hitter quitter. And Jill says there are endless possibilities because of it really isn't focused on penetration of a penis, you know? Um, Tracy says when two vaginas rub together and they don't catch on fire. And Whitney says it's really any way you want it to be. And Rose says it's a little more than sticking your dick in something, and that's why your girlfriends leave your ass for her. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> throughout this, um, throughout this episode, 
there's a lot of question about what constitutes lesbian sex. And unlike heterosexual sex, which is very obvious what is, I mean, listen, oral sex, uh, digital sex, you know, hand jobs, all that. Um, those are sex. Okay. (laughs) But what constitutes like full sex. And it's very easy when you're talking about a man and a woman, because there's, there's only, there's only one way to do it. I mean, you, you got a few options, but it is what it is. And when two women have sex, it's can be there. There just are layers to it. And for me, I feel like, I mean, when, for me, when two women are having sex, I feel like they have had sex when one of them has an orgasm. <laughs> and I know that it's like, I know that's so vague and like people can have orgasms looking at each other, but I'm sorry. That's how I feel. Like if it's just like making out and nice feelings, it, even if it's like oral sex or, you know, uh, fingering it, whatever it is, I, if nobody had an orgasm to me, the sex didn't, it, it wasn't full on sex. And <laughs> That's how I feel. That's just my opinion. You know what I like about watching YouTube explainer videos, especially for like K-pop stuff, is that all of them start with, (laughs) this is my opinion. This is not all the facts. It's just all I could fit into this video. You, (laughs) this is one that I, that I love. I mean, she's very popular, but, but she'll be like, you are responsible for the content you're you're uh, consuming. If you don't like what is about to happen, you are free to stop. <laughs> like it's like, you gotta go through like 10, 20 seconds of people like giving you all these disclaimers. And it's always like, this is my opinion. Your opinion may be different. That's fine. <laughs> so I'm gonna like, listen, this is my opinion. Like I don't hold it against other people who have different opinions on what constitutes female and female sex. I'm saying that that's how I feel about it. And I know that it, and I know that leads a lot of fucking possibilities, but you know what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay. As someone who really loves to draw a box and then get in that bitch, <laughs> I'm okay with having this line and being like, okay, there are lots of possibilities here. Um, and I also think that I focus less on like, did this person have sex and more on, well, I hooked up with them and that, and that encompassed everything. So, but yeah, this, there's conversation that goes throughout this whole episode about it, um, throughout everybody's different segments. I'm going to start with Nikki and Jill as usual. Cause I think they're boring. Even though I, when I'm looking at my notes, I took between them and Mikey, I took the most notes. So what's happening is we're moving forward with their wedding. They're getting their dresses designed. Um, you know, Nikki thinks that buying dresses off the rack are just not that special. I can understand that. She has money, so she's, I mean, the bitch has probably been everywhere. You know what I mean? She says her middle name is is Gucci, Nikki Gucci Weiss. So, like, it's not even special for her to go into Gucci and buy something because she spends money, you know? So custom is the way to make this a special occasion. And Jill says she wants something simple, but beautiful, sexy, but elegant. You know, what everybody fucking wants. What Nobody says, well, 
not no people, most people don't say at their wedding, I want to look so overdone that I look like I'm on a cupcake or something. Nobody says that. Um, the truth is that the two of them could have gone to a fucking David's bridal and found exactly what they wanted. They could have. They could have. Because the style of what they want is in there. Now, I don't know. They, they certainly wouldn't have been happy because they're not used to cheaply made stuff. But you know what I'm saying? Like, what they're asking for is not that incredibly special and out of and out of this world that's something like a mass um, wedding dress. I, they manufacture some of them. Manufacturer and and seller of wedding of wedding dresses couldn't find something that fit within their rings. It's just that they want something like better, better, like more well done. So the designers come over and they love the designs. They show them sketches. They love the designs. Um, but then they have to go back and figure out how much the how much the dresses are actually going to cost. Um, once they've chosen which sketch they like. And Nikki's feeling very confident because she has made, because she's made quite a bit of money, even if Jill has made less money. Um, and she just feels like, you know, we can spend this money on this. So what the designers told them is their dresses would it be at least 2K. And it's probably gonna be more than that, but it's, it's not gonna be less than $2,000. And I guess they figure that out because if you think of like what a standard address costs in designer hours, which, and for them, designer hours are like, I'm gonna concept the dress, I'm gonna sketch it, I'm gonna um, pattern, make a pattern for it, get the source, um, source the fabrics for it. And maybe they don't do the actual sewing, maybe they outsource that somewhere, but they're part of the project management and stuff. You don't call the sewer, cause that's like a little, it, that could be a little operation that's just being outsourced to. You call them about it and they, you know, they do the fittings, they do all those stuff. So, I mean, it's time and work. So yeah, I see what they're, they're charging for their hours. So, and they know that a dress like this is not, regardless of how much the, even if the fabric's on the cheaper side, it's not gonna be less than $2,000. So when they get the email, both dresses come out to $6,175. Now, I have to be honest. I know this is $2,010. I do not believe that, $6,100, $6,200 is too much for a custom made dress. A dress from that from design to finish, I don't think that's too much money. I just don't. It, it sounds about right to me. Is it out of my budget? Fuck yeah, bitch. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would ne this, this would never even occur to me. If it was my budget, I'd be a David's Bridal. And even if I wasn't, I would be someplace that, I would be at a, someplace in the middle bridal shop and no I would definitely be at Davies Bridal don't get me wrong but <laughs> no I would be at Target looking for a white dress that I could pretend was a wedding dress but even if you go somewhere in the middle where you go into these wedding um shops that just do wedding dresses and stuff and you choose a design from off the rack that is then um tailored to you I think one of those dresses might easily be two three thousand dollars easily so custom, yeah, 6,200 sounds about right to me. I don't, I wouldn't like, I think that's about a, a right amount. And I think that if you're, if you then want to get into designer, I mean, again, all things are created, 
all clothing is created by a designer. Even my old Navy shit is created by a designer. I just don't know their name. But if you want to get into name designer way, um, category, then you're going to be hitting 10,000, 20,000, even more, depending on what tier the designer is on. So yeah, dude, this is about right. But they're livid with these prices. <laughs> they're livid, especially Nikki, because she says her dress is a direct copy of something else. So she doesn't even believe, because it's about 5,500 for the design fee, like the hours of the designer. And she's like, well, she didn't sketch this out of thin air. And I'm like, but she sketched it. Like whether she thought of the sketch in her, in, in her head or whether she, whether you gave her, uh, showed her a dress that you were like something like this, she still had to sketch it. And she didn't do a direct copy. She did a takeoff of that. She still had to sketch it. And even if she did a direct, even if all she did was sketch that dress, she still had to make the sketch and you still have to make patterns and you still like, if you wanted that dress, go buy it. But you didn't because it was too expensive. Like, this is what it costs. Like, I'm not upset that they're having sticker shock at all. I'm annoyed that they are looking at things like custom dresses and they're like, Ooh, this costs too much. Well, yeah, bitch. That's why most people don't get custom dresses. This is one day and it is, it's a special day. It's an important day for the two of you where you're celebrating your love, but if you guys are going to stay married, you're going to be celebrating your love years and years and years down the line. You guys, at this point, they have two kids. Um, years and years and years, you, you're going to have kids. You're going to have anniversaries. You're going to have you're going to have ups and downs and stuff. You guys are going to be constantly celebrating your love. This is not the first or the last time you're going to celebrate. It's just the biggest time. So if you want to go the way where you're like, I'm going to spend a lot of fucking money on this and I'm going to make it a big deal and I'm going to go to a custom dress, I understand that because it is a big celebration. But if you're also someone like me who's like, okay, well, this is just us getting it official. So I don't know if I want a $6,000 dress I can only wear one time. I, I personally don't, I don't need all that shit. And in fact, this weekend I'm going through my closet to make sure that all the clothes in there are clothes that I want to wear. They're in my size, the size I am now, not the size I was last year or the size I'm going to be next year, but the size I am right fucking now. And that they're also like, when I get dressed, I don't look in there and go, oh, it's like if I go, oh, when I look at it, it needs, to, it needs to come out. And I haven't done this in a while. I have cleaned out my closet in various ways. Like, um, I've done some shit with the shoes. I've like me and my husband, we used to, once we got our new furniture set, we put our old furniture set in our walk-in closet along the wall. And my husband was using that. And then one of his friends moves into an apartment and he just gave him a bunch of furniture. And so they, so we, there was a cleanup I had to do once that furniture came out, but I haven't really gone through the clothes and said, I like this. I want to wear this. I have never, I never wear this other thing because I don't like how I look in it. So why am I holding on to it? I, that's the type of person I am. Okay. So the idea that I would spend $6,000 on a custom wedding dress is out of the question. I probably wouldn't want to spend more than a thousand. And if that sounds cheap to you, it doesn't to me <laughs> on a one-time outfit. It doesn't to me. I would be stretching myself to spend a thousand dollars on a wedding dress. Um, but these are the type of people who spend a little money. So that's $6,000. I'm like, ugh. um, so they send back an email and they, they're basically like, this is the final price. We can't do it. And I understand. I, I think that's fine for them to say, okay? I just think it's interesting that they're like, what? And I'm like, girl. So 
like they literally sit in a chair, the two of them sit in the same chair and compose an email saying it's too much. But at the same time, their winter, their wedding planners quote comes in. It's something like $9,000, depending on the package. And Nikki wants to pay the fee, but only if she, only if what she gets in return is like discounts on services. And I'm like, Listen, this wedding planner is not the coupon book. You know, the big book of coupons that you show and you get a two for one dinner. That's not what she is, but she is going to be able to guide you in a way that you obviously can't do. Like this is her industry. She knows these people. She knows what works and what doesn't. She knows who to go to for this and that. And you are paying for that knowledge. I will be annoyed if I were her wedding planner and she'd be like, how come you can't get the price down on the flowers? And I'd be like, bitch, cause you want these flowers and that's how much they cost. I've showed you other options. Now, if you want the price down, here's another way to go. And you're like, no, but I want these very special roses. Okay, well then there you go. That's what you want. Figure out a way to make it work. But like Nikki is the type of bride you don't want to have, you don't want to work with because they want everything, but then they're also having sticker shock about stuff. And previously she said, I want to see everything. I want to get everything. Okay, all right. Well, everything costs money. So... They get, they talk to the wedding planner on the phone and the two of them are making faces and gestures at each other while they're trying to talk to her. And essentially what happens is Jill says, okay, I want to look at my budget. Let's, we want to look at the wedding budget really hard tonight and see what we can afford. Okay. Because again, I agree with them. If they, it's 13,000, actually like closer to, 13.5 for dresses if they go with that first quote. And then another 9,000 for the, over another 9,000 for the, the planner. Now you don't have a venue, you don't have no food, you don't have flowers, you don't have a ride to and from the bitch, you don't have a photographer or a DJ at this point. And you, you're at like $25,000. Now, again, you need to get the venue because the venue is going to cost the fucking most, but, or the most, if they do the food and everything, but they're going to, they're going to be a big chunk and they're going to tell you what date they can do. And here you are getting designs from this lady. You don't know when you need that dress by because you don't know your date yet. Cause you don't have a venue. Like <laughs> everything starts in the venue outward. Anyway. Um, so I get the, where they're coming from that if we did all this, we'd be at 25 grand with nothing. We just two dresses and a lady to help us figure out what else we're going to do. I, but the thing is, I believe this is the woman they met with in that cafe or in the coffee shop or wherever they were. And she knew what the fuck she was talking about. Like she is not your friend's niece who wants to break into wedding planning. That chick I, she seems booked and busy. And, and I think that if she's charging $9,000 and that's what it probably fucking costs. So, you know, Jill says she didn't want to look at the budget and sign with you. And when he gets the phone, Nikki tells Jill that that was offensive to her. Why is she going to make her way today? Because after talking to the girl, Nikki feels more like, oh yeah, this could work. Okay. This might work. And Jill is still worried about the numbers. Uh, Nikki does say something really good about wedding markup, which is, it's absolutely true, is that if you are throwing a party, it's one price. If you throw on a wedding, it's a different price. But there's a reason for that. 
The reason is that people put a lot of stock in their weddings. And most people, when you're just having a little party at your house and they're ordering an ice culture are a lot more chill of God and make that pun are a lot more chill about it than if it's their wedding. Most people, if they just want, if they just want a custom dress for an event, act differently when it's a custom dress for their wedding. And I don't think it's fair that you're like, well, since it's a wedding, you're charging me so much more. Yet if something goes wrong, the first thing you say is it's my wedding. Okay. Is it important or not? I would, <laughs> I've had people try, like when I was in events, I've had people try to have parties, but pretend like it's not a wedding because <laughs> I think it's going to be cheaper. The fact was we didn't have like a big difference in, there's, there was a different procedure, but there just wasn't a big difference. And everyone's like, well, it's a little party. Mm-hmm. We just, we just want a few people there. But we definitely need to, um, we definitely need to have vows. We need a dance floor. We need to be able to move this around. We need to have this ceremony. Then we need to, and I'm like, okay, well then it's not a little party because a little party, it's just a fucking party. And then maybe you, you give a speech of, if it's a important party of some sort, but weddings have things that must happen. And like I said, people act differently about their wedding, so it costs differently, bitch. And so, <laughs> anyway, they call the wedding, they later call the wedding planner, and it looks like it's at night. So that's another thing. Like, wedding planners don't necessarily work nine to five, but a question like that does not need to be called at 8 p.m. You know what I mean? You, you could wait till tomorrow. But they call her, and the, exactly, that's what you're paying for, though. The fact is, think of it, look at Nikki and Jill. Look how neurotic the two of them are. If you think, you think Nikki and Jill ain't gonna be calling this lady every fucking day up to their wedding, multiple times a day, trying to check on the cake, trying to talk about this. And I just really want the cake to make sure that it comes in this way and that it come and that it's presented this way. You don't think she's gonna be having all those conversations? She's gonna be having more than you ever thought. Tons of emails, tons of phone calls. Yeah, she wants to get paid. Um, so they call and they ask to have a discount. She says, because she sent them, um, she did give them a discount. She gave them a certain package at like 7,000, like 75, a little over 7,500. And it was normally a $10,000 package and she knocked some things off. Um, and they call and they ask, can they get it down even further? And... She says, okay, let me think about it. I'll call you back in the morning because she's on her way out to meet a bride. Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. The fact is that like, if they had sent that in the email, she would have had time to think about it before she responded, but they called her instead. Um, and Nikki, so they hang up the phone. Nikki thinks that the wedding planner is insulted um, and that they should just pay the whole fucking fee. And not the whole fee, but the, the discounted fee that she agreed to. And Jill's like, I mean, it's just a business thing. It's not insult, but you know, um, Nikki's like, they're going to think we're bitches. <laughs> I, they're not going to think you're, she doesn't think you're, well, she probably thinks you're bitches, but she does not think you're bitches because of this. She is 
probably annoyed that you're sitting here trying to haggle her down for something you absolutely need. Like Nikki keeps saying she does not, she produced, she's a producer in her day life. She does not want to produce this wedding. The two of them have like no idea about a lot of things. And this wedding planner is going to be guiding them on in it. Like you, and you guys just don't have times to quit your job and plan a fucking wedding. So that's why you need her. She's worth it. She's worth every fucking penny. Um, it reminds me of being like a freelancer and how people will be like, we really need this. We, we need all your input. We need all your experience. You are definitely the person we have. We, we need top notch, top notch, top notch, top notch. But we don't want to pay your fee. Okay. So what you, what you bothering me for in my inbox? This is how much it costs. You do not go to the HEB. <laughs> And go in there and and tell them that you want these apples, but you don't want to pay the apples price. Well, then, bitch, you ain't got no apples. Go to go to Kroger, go over to Walmart, see what they got over there. And I want to be clear: I don't think it's bad for Nikki and Jill to just ask, "Can they get um, a discount?" I don't think that's bad at all. Um, you closed mouths don't get fed. So if you don't ask, you. You might not get, I think it's perfectly okay to ask for more money when you're looking at jobs, when you're booking clients, when it, whatever it is you're doing, I think it's okay to ask for more money. And I think as a consumer, it's okay to say, is there any wiggle room on this price? What bothers me is that the two of you decide that you're going to ask for more wiggle room, even though she's giving you some on this price. And then you're going to have like a mental, like an emotional moment, emotional breakdown about what she thinks about you. Well, I tell you what, she thinks you're annoying, <laughs> but that's not the most important thing here. If you, if you, your budget is your budget. So if you can't afford this, then you can't afford it and move on. As you can tell, I'm not a haggler. My husband is an excellent haggler and I just don't even like when we go to flea markets and things like that, he loves a flea market. He like puts money in different pockets he gets cash and he puts it in different pockets of his pants so he can say to people, I only have this much or whatever. And he's always trying to draw me into his complicated fucking, he's like, I'm supposed to say something and I'm supposed to play the bad copy. He's like, I don't fucking know. I just like, do you want this? Do you want to buy this? This is how much it costs. Do you want to pay that? Okay. And I, I am never haggling. I just know in my head how much I'm going to pay. So if I want to pay $10 for, if I'm trying to buy something and I feel like it costs $10 and you trying to sell it for 11 and you tell me it costs 11, I'm like, oh, okay. And I just go like, I, I don't even have a conversation. I don't want to, what do what I look like over here? Arguing with you over how much this costs. I keep going. I'll find it for $10 somewhere. And if I can't find it for $10, you know what? Maybe I didn't need that. Maybe that was the universe telling me you don't need that shit. Put your $10 in your pocket. But my husband's going back and forth and doing all this stuff. We went to one. We went to this one. Um, we used to go to the Ave all the time, Jamaica Ave in Queens. It's like one of our favorite places to go. And it's just a lot of shit there. I mean, I don't know how to describe it. It's it's like, well, first, it has the best Jamaican beef patties. Um, and they make it right there for you on cocoa bread. And like, I always want Jamaican beef patties. 
I'm, I'm like, I really need to, um, I really need to figure out how to make that at home because my husband really misses them right now. But so we always get that. There's just like a lot of piercing places and tattoo places and electronic stuff and jewelers and clothing. And it's not like going to the mall because everything is kind of like offer me something, you know, that's what it feels like down there. But we went into some place and we were trying to buy something and my husband was like desperate to haggle them down. I don't know why. The thing we were buying, it might've been the first Kindle because I had a Kindle and one of the, his nephews broke it and he wanted to buy me another one that day. And I really should have just gotten it from Amazon, but he was like, no, let's go in here and see if they have a used one. And it might've been that, but he's just going on and on with this guy. And this guy is like, every time my husband went down the price, the guy would go up. He was like, you going down? I'm going up. <laughs> and my husband was like, I am not happy with this price. And he was like, it was like an old Asian man. I mean, think, think gremlins. <laughs> when he goes and buys, <laughs> when he goes and buys Mowgli. It was, he was like, he like he belonged in an old movie. It, it, it did not feel like he was on the street in Jamaica Ave, but we were like in his little shop and his wife and kids were there and everything. So we we're buying shit and, and he's, and my husband was like, I'm not happy with this price. And the guy was like, okay, then go get a happy meal because I'm not in charge of making you happy. This is how you, you want me to come to your house and start and start figuring out prices. Like this is, this is my price. And I love that. I mean, I was in the back giggling and my husband was just like, Oh, so you're just going to giggle? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to giggle because I don't... Like, the price they were offering for was like, just take it. Just get it. <laughs> but, you know, he's got to get a good deal. And But anyway, blah. So, um, you know, Nikki's upset. And so they decided to call her back. And this time she doesn't answer the phone. Nikki's like, look, she's not even taking her calls now. And I was like, no, she just fucking told you she had to go. It's... <laughs> Even if she's on her cell phone, she's going somewhere. She doesn't have time. And she sees it's your number again. And you've just been like, oh, already, uh, that's another thing. When I used to do events, the people that show up and will fight you to death over prices, you don't want to do it with them anyway. They're going to be so annoying. There, the, there are people that are like, oh, I mean, I don't know if I can afford that. And could we talk about some different options that, that my budget is this? What if I did this? And like, they're like, obviously that's a conversation we had, but the people who are like calling you back to back and shit like that, girl, you don't want to work with them. You don't want, they're going to be a pain in your ass till the day that fucking wedding is done. And in fact, maybe a week and a half after that, cause then they're going to be like, we don't think we got all our envelopes. Yes, you did. It was in the thing up front. Well, somebody that's missing and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I don't remember where I left my shoes. Maybe I left them. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. Cause when we cleaned up that night, we, we went through this whole place and anything we found in the bridal suite, anything that was in the, the, uh, coat check, anything that was anywhere in here, we put it in a box and we, and we wrote the name of your wedding on it so that if anybody called looking for it, we could find it. I, we were at a wedding one night and this woman accused, this is, an older white woman accused um, staff of stealing her jewelry. But like, it was the most ridiculous thing in the world. Cause we were like, what do you mean? What jewelry? She's like, I had a ring on and now it's gone. So you mean you had a ring on, you've been in a five hour wedding and you think that we got your ring? 
See, end of the night, we're trying to get out and shit. People, the part, wedding party's drunk. The mother and father of the bride, this was, I think it was the mother of the bride. They're, they're, you know, they're trying to get out. They've tipped everybody. People are, and now it's like, well, I've lost a ring and one of you has it. There were like fucking 120 people here. And what happened is, you know, the person that was running the wedding was like, was like, did you check in your bag? And the lady was like, no. Or she said, yes, I did check in it. That would be the first place I check. And and she said, why don't you check again? And her husband was like, yeah, let's just look. And she opened her bag and her shit was right in there. And did we get an apology? Like, we're all standing, like, we're all trying to go. And we're all like kind of there. We're looking around. We've all, we're all, it's been a long night. I think we did two weddings. I think I did two weddings that day. Uh, we did a more, we did an afternoon wedding and then we did a night wedding. And so like, it's exhausting and we're done. And you just over here, which is fucking foolishness. And so you find your ring. You're like, oh, there it is. All right, let's go. Like, do you want to apologize? The fuck? Like, I'm telling you, if Nikki and Jill were on my phone, playing on my fucking phone the way they were, I'd be like, you know what? I'm busy. <laughs> you know what? I just booked a date. I, you know, I just booked myself up for that date. And they're like, well, we haven't picked a date yet. Whatever date you picked, I've already booked. <laughs> That's what I would have told them. But anyway, she left a message. Jill, uh, Nikki left a message saying she was sorry. She didn't mean to insult the, her. And da, 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 they'll pay the price they agreed to. And like, it's a little over $7,500. And that's pretty much all that happens with them. Um, let's talk about Mikey. Mikey has Rod Stewart hair. That's what it is. Mikey looks like fucking Rod Stewart. <laughs> um, Mikey's on the way to Vegas for the magic trade show. Um, we've seen this plenty of times in reality TV shows. We've seen it on Rachel Zoe. I think we saw it on the city or the Hills. It's a big fashion trade show in Vegas. Um, and Mikey's going to get last minute clients for LA fashion week. I'm still trying to wrap my head around what Mikey is doing for LA fashion week. Mikey's running LA fashion week. Like, what does this mean? Like, I, I really wish I could ask Mikey about it because maybe I'm incorrect. Cause like I said, I don't know shit about New York fashion week besides what I learned on project runway and the city. And so <laughs> Like who, who the fuck am I to say? I'm not a fashion girl, but the idea that Mikey needs to go to this trade show to find people who want to showcase at LA fashion week. Aren't there a ton of designers in LA? Like, what do you mean? You still have slots left. The, what do you mean? I think the slots will be gone. Now, if uh, Mikey's going to, to this trade show to find fashion PR clients, that makes sense to me, but that's not what seemed to happen. Um, you know, Ra Raquel can't go because she has to work and they haven't really spent much time together since um, Valentine's Day when they didn't spend any time. And, you know, so it's sad. Mikey's road trip to Vegas is really just being racy in the car. But again, they get back into what's sex, what's considered sex and what's not. Mikey says if someone orgasms, um, on woman on woman sex and that's sex. Um, they call Raquel and Raquel says it's penetration. All penetration is that finger banging. <laughs> so I, the only thing I was like sure of watching this is that they need an HR department at that company because Mikey, what's the purpose of this? 
You were two employees, one's a fucking intern, and an intern who's already made some big mistakes. So I don't think you'll be keeping her forever or upgrading her to assistant. But I just feel like this is like a bad thing. Just do not ride in the car talking shit like this with your two employees. Don't do that. Don't do it. <laughs> so also when they get to the hotel, Mikey got an upgrade because she kind of mentioned she was there with LA Fashion Week. Kinda, you, bitch, you did, and I'm proud of you for doing it. Always mention whatever the mention it all, mention it all. But so she gets a really big room, and it's like an early aughts pimped out room, and it was cool. And Mikey comes from nothing, so it's a big deal. Like I, it would have been a big deal for. I'm like, what? I my husband would have been annoyed with me because I would have been trying to clean up after myself in the room because I was like, what if they what if they charge our card? Like. Leave the mini bar alone. Like I might have been like, don't put bubbles in the bathtub. That's extra. It's gotta be extra. I, I've been stressed out in that room, but it's a big room. And um Raquel wants to surprise Mikey in Vegas. So Raquel is taking a flight out and Mikey gets excited. And what happens is Mikey decides that she and Raquel need to get married in Vegas. I think Mikey's drunk. I think Mikey's been drinking since she got to Vegas because it just was like this thing, like she's coming, I'm so excited, we gotta get married. And it's a surprise wedding too. Like she's not gonna like ask Raquel, she's gonna wait till they get there. And I'm like, were you ready to get married in LA? So how come when you got to Vegas, you're ready to get married? I think you just miss her and you're drunk. Um, so they start like, you know, looking around to see where they can get um, a chapel. You know, Vegas is full of little chapels, but a lot of them don't do it because one, gay marriage is not legal, okay, at this time. So they can't even get literally married. So what they're looking for is is places that do civil commitments. And so many of the chapels are like, we don't do that. Mm -mm, We're not one of the places that do that. And they're a little confused because they're like, I think Vegas would have like tons of places that do stuff like this. Well, here's where what you got to understand is that so often when we are in these places that are quite liberal and that we think there's that that's just it, that it's just a very liberal place. But the fact is that there's often a conservative undercurrent in some of these places. There is homophobia there. There is racism there. It. I talk all the time about all the racism I experienced in New York City. I have I have had many run-ins with cops where I was unsure of my safety. I have never felt more unsafe than in New York City with police. I have never. The way that they would stalk us, the way, I never felt less unsafe. I've had so many racist interactions in New York City. I've been in situations that were incredibly homophobic in New York City. But people are always like, what? Even in Chicago, I mean, but people believe more about Chicago. I've been in situations that were incredibly racist in Chicago. People were like, no, 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 that's Chicago, that's New York. No, bitch, racism is everywhere. Everywhere you fucking go. Even amongst your neoliberal friends and that are sharing memes about Bernie and shit, racism is still there. And it's the same with homophobia. It is everywhere. Even it's internalized, it's structural, it's 
fucking every and right there they're they're um butting up against structural homophobia which is the fact that they cannot get married legally but they're also butting up on people's personal homophobias because why don't they do a civil commitment what's different about a civil commitment about because the fact is like so in Vegas, it's easier because you can get a marriage license right away. But what the process for getting married in almost every state is that you have to file for a marriage license. You have to go down to the wherever, city council or whatever, not city council, your city's town hall or wherever you do your services at. And you have to fill out a form to get a marriage license so that the two of you can get married. It costs money. I don't know. I feel like mine was 30. It might have been 50. It, was, it wasn't very expensive. And you, you pay that and then you take that to wherever you're getting married. Now, if you get married down the city hall, you take it down, you take it down the hallway to a justice of the peace. Or if you're getting married in a religious ceremony, you take it to your religious officiant, or even if it's not religious, whoever your officiant's going to be, if it's not going to be right there in city hall and they do a ceremony on which the, the three of you agree is a marriage because that's all it is. The two, like you say some vows. It doesn't really matter what happens in that ceremony. And then your officiant who has been licensed usually by the, wherever they're the County or whatever they're doing in it, fills out the rest of your license and mails it in saying that I'm authorized to get married, to marry people. I have married these people. Here is my license number, signature or whatever else information they require. And then they send it in. Or maybe they give it to you to send in, but then it goes in and then you, your marriage is recorded in the county. Okay. That's how marriages work everywhere. But in Vegas, like there are some places that have a three day waiting period on a marriage license. Um, in Virginia, they didn't have one where I got married. I'm sure there's lots of places that don't have any waiting period. You just have to go get your license and you can get married. Then the license is usually good for a certain amount of time. So in, in the places that have a three day waiting period, you have to wait three days to get <clears throat> your marriage license back or whatever. And the places that don't, so it's good for a good amount, a certain amount of time. So you're, it might be 90 days or something. So once you get your license, you do need to get married within 90 days and it needs to be returned. Um, but in Vegas, I guess they can, they like how you get licenses is different. It's, it's probably issued by the these like little parlors that are doing it. So you don't have to go down the city hall. But the point I'm making is this, if gay marriage is not legal, so you don't need a marriage license, you just need to have the commitment ceremony. You have, need to have the ceremony and you probably then need to, the part about like the commitment ceremony is one thing, but the having the legal part of you guys committing to each other is a separate thing. Like you have to put each other in these wills and make living wills and custody things like that's a separate thing. So it's just the ceremony. It's just, do you take this woman? Do you take this woman? How do you love each other or whatever their vows that they have? And that's it. That's really all they had to do, but they weren't willing to do it. They're like, we don't do that. Why? It's no different than the other things you do. The only part is you don't issue a license. Come on, man. The, I, I'm always, I'm not surprised 
But I'm always a little more disheartened when I see people realize that just because you're in a flashy place or a place that seems like anything goes and it's pretty liberal, we love everybody, anybody's welcome here, and you find out that undercurrent of of homophobia and racism and all the isms underneath there, and you're like, oh, shit. Even in Vegas, this is happening. I'm always a little disheartened seeing that because I'm like, yeah, dude, it's everywhere. There is homophobia in West Hollywood. There is. A lot of it's internalized, but there's homophobia there. It it just... (sighs) Anyway. So when they do find a place, Mikey's very shocked. And again, I think Mikey's drunk because Mikey's like, what? As if Mikey did not come up with this idea and then instruct him to find a place. Um, but what happens is Raquel misses her flight. She got into, she had a text to the airport and forgot her purse. So she missed her flight. And you know, Raquel's devastated and Mikey is less so. Mikey says that some things happen for a reason. Mikey, this is where we get a part where Mikey's telling us about her past. And she was supposed to be on one of the hijacked flights on 9-11. She was supposed to be on that flight. Her luggage was on that flight with all her samples for her fashion line. Didn't know she used to have a fashion line, but she, I guess she did. And she, the, you know, when the plane blew up or crashed, whatever, and Mikey was lucky to have not been on the plane and not died, but her entire business went under that day because those samples were on that plane. And like listening to this, you may not understand how like important samples are to a line, especially like, I'm assuming she was a startup line. So you have to like designers don't, unlike on fashion, on (laughs) Project Runway, designers don't usually make the clothes. What happens is you make a set of, of samples much so kind of like so at the end of the um at the end of um project runway and they send everybody home to make a collection those are like samples okay so and the fact that they and they let other people help them make them and stuff but like they them making them is is even out of out of the ordinary um if you watch shows like how to make it in America and their quest to get samples made. Like there are companies that make samples for you and you use that sample to try to sell your line and get money to make the shit. Like even once your line gets going, you're not in the back making all the fucking clothes. You have a relationship with a place that makes that, that like produces your clothes. So, like even think of, have you guys ever watched that? There, oh, I can't even remember. I think it's called the Fashion Fund. I might be wrong, but it's like a competition. It's f- through Vogue of designers trying to win this competition, but it's not like Project Runway. It's a long, it's it's always been a, it's always been a competition, but it's only recently been like televised, like, made into a show and you see these people from start to finish try to create this line and win this award and it's just really interesting how how hard and how much time it takes in and how like it really is as simple as you got those samples made 
which probably costs you a ton of money and the basis of which your line is going to be, um, is going to be on. And then you need to sell this line so you can produce this line. And if something happens to your samples, you're fucked. Like there's nothing you can do. And I don't think Mikey's a sewer. I don't think Mikey produces her samples herself. Uh, I think a lot of designers don't. Project Runway really makes you think they do. It's, it's one of those reasons when like people who aren't great sewers win and everyone's like really mad. And you know, they keep telling you, this is not Project So-So. This is not like about who is the best seamstress. This is about who's the best designer. And the fact is you can be an excellent designer who does not sew. You can be. Now, does it make things a little harder? Yeah, if you can, if you can construct yourself, even just at the very basics, you are so far much, so far ahead than someone who can't. But making your own samples is just not a thing that most people could do, or that's that most people do. Period. But even a great many of them can't do it. And I don't think Mikey could have made her own samples. I don't think it was as simple as like, okay, well, let's see if you can get another $2,000 for fabric and, and fucking embellishments and shit and go back to the drawing board. I think, I mean, she said this, but I really believe her that when those samples like went, blew up in a fucking fiery plane crash in a terrorist uh, operation that it really like was like, Psh, that's over. Because there's no way you could you could do this whole world over again. Um, so the next day is the trade show. And Mikey is looking for, like I said, she's looking for last minute clients. I don't quite understand, but we see her schmoozing and networking and stuff. And Raquel is supposed to be there this morning. She's supposed to get another flight. But she calls Mikey and says she doesn't think she's going to be able to make it, which puts Mikey in a bitch ass mood. But it's a trick and Raquel shows up. And Mikey... <laughs> You'd think Mike would be like, oh my God, you're here. But she's not. She's like, I don't like you lying to me. <laughs> and that's exactly how it would be too. Don't do that shit with me. Don't play with my fucking emotions. Don't tell me something that's not fucking true. I would have been pissed. Um, so when Raquel gets back to the suite, she's impressed with the suite too. They play strip pool. And Mikey says that she doesn't think about working when Raquel's around. She just wants to play, even though this is a work trip. And... Again, they're playing strip pool in front of an assistant. At one point, the assistant just gets him and walks out because it's clear Mikey's about to lose. And I'm sure she doesn't want to see Mikey naked. But, and thankfully, we don't see Mikey naked. And they go and take a bubble bath together. And I think Mikey's fingering Raquel. I'm pretty sure. Like, though, I think so. <laughs> and that's pretty much the. No, no, no. Oh, later, Mikey admits that she was planning a surprise wedding for Raquel. And Raquel says she would have said yes. She says she never loved someone as much as she does Mikey. And that's the end of them. <laughs> so now we got Rose, which is very quick. Um, Natalie's looking for a new job. Natalie um, has been in the hair industry for She's a hairdresser for a while. And she just doesn't want to be in hair anymore, even though she's now the manager of a salon. Um... Rose is helping Natalie with her resume on her gateway computer. And I love anytime I see a gateway computer because I'm like, the 90s and early aughts. <laughs> like I've said before, Rose is pretty serious in her career. She is a finance bro. Listen to her talk on the phone, like even at her Walmart desk. I mean, that's, that's what she gives off. 
And she's giving Natalie the business about her resume. And they have a really weird back and forth about which address Natalie should put on there. And Rose is like, but she's like, you want to put your mother's address? But the way she's saying it, and Natalie's like, where do I live? And Rose is like, no, seriously, what address do you want to put on here? Because it's almost like Rose is saying, no, you're not going to be here after a couple of weeks. So <laughs> put a good address on there, an address they can reach you at. And Rose is working from home and she just seems like she's just having a lot of trouble and she needs an assistant. And she essentially asked Rose to be her assistant. And I mean, Natalie be her assistant. And they both know it's a bad idea. That's the thing I can't get over. This is not a good idea. You're already too aggressive with Natalie sometimes. And as she literally says she wants someone she can say, boss around say, go do this, go do that. Okay, well then... Rose doesn't want to do that. But like I said, Natalie wants to get out of the hair industry and Rose is paying double what she made as a manager at that salon. So they're probably going to do it. When Rose, actually Natalie said she's 80% do it and 20% are you fucking crazy? And I was like, Natalie, go with the 20% because this is not a good idea. You have a very rocky relationship. Imagine like breaking up and then also losing your job at the exact same time and your place to live. It's too much. Rose asks Natalie where she sees her future and Natalie shows her ring finger and Rose is like, oh, doing nails? <laughs> that made me actually fucking laugh. <laughs> uh, sounds like some shit me and my husband would do. Um, so let's talk about Tracy. Uh, Tracy doesn't have much this week either. She's talking about her career. Tracy is in production. Um, and Stamie's a real estate agent and she's a real estate agent because about the time she was turning 30, even though she's funny and she does comedy and she really enjoys that, she also wants to like own property and like have enough money to go on vacation. I understand that. Um, I thoroughly enjoy writing essays and shit and like getting them published, but I also want to eat. So when I was freelancing, I was like writing content marketing stuff that didn't make that didn't make my heart sing, but. It's what I had to do because I'm not going to sit around here trying to like make a living off of, let me step that back. Cause I don't want to say that you can't make a living off of art. You absolutely can, but you absolutely have to treat art like a business. And sometimes that really fucks up your art, having to treat it like a business, you know, being a real estate agent where you can make your own, I mean, a real estate agent isn't an easy job. Okay. Um, and it's feast or famine, you know, cause you don't get anything until you sell something. Then you get a huge chunk of fucking money, but being a real estate agent where you can make your own hours and also have time to do comedy or write or do whatever the fuck it is you want makes sense, you know? And, you know, imagine Stamey being a stand up comedian with three kids. Here's the other thing people don't remember or realize about stand up comedy is that the way you make most of your money is on the road. So when you see somebody who's had, who's had an amazing career, you know, they got there by walking on their knees on broken glass because being on the road is tough. Allie Wong talks about being on the road. Her husband essentially had to quit his job to, to, I mean, he writes now, but also he essentially takes care of their girls and follows Ali Wong on tour because how she makes her money is hitting that fucking road. That's where it is. Like um, musicians and, and pop stars and people who perform music, 
sure you get uh, you get advances from the fucking uh from the record label sure you can get you can make money on the record maybe depending but most records don't earn out and unless you're talking about the top top people and if you're gonna make money like you can make so much more money on the road so much more money on the road because you get paid per performance and if you're willing to finance the finance the tour yourself which is very very expensive it's how it's how tony braxton went bankrupt the second time is she was financing her tour and she got sick and her insurance company didn't want to uh pay out for it and she was fighting with them and had to file bankruptcy because everything was on her but um if that works, if you can finance your tour and it's successful, you'll make so much fucking money off of it. And being a stand-up that, um, you know, cr- crisscrosses the country and shit, that's where you make your money. And so think about Stamey with three small children having to go on college tours. And then where she, and then tours where she's opening and tours where she's the mid. Like, come on, man. But now she can do comedy and she can get her laughs and she can do her spots and work at real estate in the day and see her kids at night. Like it works out for her. That makes sense. But yeah, Tracy's younger and she's still trying to figure out stuff. And, you know, um, she thinks she's a natural real estate agent and Tracy's thinking about, you know, doing that. Although Stamie doesn't really think that Tracy wants to be a, 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 a real estate agent. So Stacy, I mean, Stamie, Stamie does her show and she's funny. Like I knew she'd be, she's a funny person. And um, to the show, she invites a commercial agent and a print agent for modeling for Tracy because she thinks Tracy should be modeling. I Listen, Tracy's beautiful. We know she's boring if you listen to my last episode, but she's also, she's beautiful. She's naturally thin. Like I'm sure she could be in plenty of commercials. Um, and you don't have to... Being in, you could be boring still being in commercials because, I mean, they write shit for you. So um, I can see, I mean, Tracy's not exactly, you know, something she'd want to try, but it wasn't, it isn't something that she would have come up with herself. Uh, she's open to it, though. And that's all that happened with them. All right, so let's finish up. It's time to talk about Wit Wit. <laughs> so Whitney, by the way, Kara sent me, I still haven't watched it. I need to watch it. I didn't realize Whitney got pregnant at some point. I don't know if she's had a baby yet or not. You know what? I need to do my research for this shit. So hold on. Okay, I'm back. I watched half the video. Listen, (laughs) I just wanted to get the understanding of it. So Whitney, this is like right now, like October 8th, this was put up. Whitney is very, very fucking pregnant with a donor and it's an open donor. So it's not a known donor. It's not someone that she knows and that like is a person in her life, but it is someone who is um, open to being contacted, which I think is great. Like, I, you know, th- obviously this is Whitney's child, but I think everybody should be allowed to know where they come from, regardless of, it's nice to have like a way to contact and say, Hey, you know, I'm of this age and I just wanted to reach out. Cause I know that you're my dad and you're my, you know, you're my bio dad or whatever it is. They end up calling the, the donor and, um, and let it go from where it's going to go from there. Maybe it'll be, I just check in twice a year. Maybe this is the last time I talk to you, but whatever. But, you know, we, we get an interaction and and I, we do with that what we will. But uh, she's single. 
Um, that's interesting. The dreads are gone. I, I know they've been gone a while, and I'm happy for her. Although she is wearing, like, two pigtails, and it, she looks fine. Uh, they just talked about being pregnant and stuff. Um, I think she's in Seattle now because, you know, her and Sada took a long time to break up, and they were back from uh, San, the San Francisco, the Bay Area, to... Um, to LA and back and forth. And they use the word celeb lesbian, which is something they start using in season two of the real L word. And I don't, I hate that fucking word, but yeah, Whitney looks like she's doing fine. And you know, uh, she's pregnant and she talked about what's it like to be a, a masculine pregnant lesbian. And it was interesting. Um, she also talked about how hard it is to get pregnant. Like you actually only have a couple of days a month to get pregnant. Like, yeah, Whitney, that's how it works. Like, I think a lot of people don't understand it, especially if you're never trying to get pregnant. Um, I think we get a lot into this in season three when we talk about the couple, I forget their names, that were trying to get pregnant. I'm sure everyone is screaming their names, but I did not connect to their story at all. And it's not that I dislike them. I get it. I, I did like them. They seemed cool and everything, but it was really hard to watch them try to have a baby, lose a baby. And they did it. It happened a few more times afterwards. I don't even think, I don't think they ever had kids. So, though maybe I'll look it up at some point. And as much as I can, I can say, I understand what I'm looking at here. This is devastating, but it's hard for me to put myself in their shoes. Like I can, like, you know how you can arguably see someone and say, that's a handsome person, but I'm not attracted to them. I was like, oh, this is very sad. But I also was, it was hard for me to put myself in my shoes because as someone whose attachment style is basically trust no bitch, I could not have gone through that. I would have just been really upset. And the idea of the, of the obvious heartbreak that IVF gives people over and over and over again is like, I can't sign up for something like that. I can't even imagine wanting to sign up for something like that. And I know that there are people out there that are like, well, princess, I feel the same way about fostering. I feel the same way about adoption. And the fact that like, even if you do a private adoption, they can change the bio parents can change their mind within a couple of days. Fostering is like, it's a lot of heartbreaks. I get that, but that I can deal with because I don't know the, the way my mind is set. I could not be like, I'm going to pay you thousands and thousands of dollars to try to make science with my body and then not feel a way when it doesn't work. I couldn't do it. It would devastate me. Like I couldn't have been on that show. I couldn't have been in that relationship. I, I don't know what the fuck would have happened to me. And so like, I don't know, dude, like watching them, I really did not connect with them just because I was like, oh, this is like one of the riskiest fucking things you can do <laughs> to, to me if that's what it felt like. I was like, nobody, um, very rarely do people have an IVF story where they're like, oh, I just paid a little bit of money and got IVF and then it worked and everything was happy. Like most of the stories you hear are like, I like sunk my entire fucking life savings and I do not have a baby. And, you know, I don't care about having a biological kid. It's not important to me. But yeah, like I should check and see what's what going on with them. The last time I checked, they were still like going through it. And, you know, maybe they have a kid now. Um, I hope they're still together. They seem like a lovely couple. Anyway, so anyway, I'm talking about Witwit. 
So she saw my prom from last week. They weren't at Whitney's house. They were at Sada's. I mean, at, at Romy's house. Sorry. I got them all mixed up. Whitney does too. But they're at Romy's house. It just was confusing because because Whitney was the one opening the door. It was weird. Um, and that's why I didn't see Tor lurking in the background. I was like, is Tor under the bed? Where's Tor? So she comes home and tells Alyssa that's where she was and that they didn't have full sex. And Alyssa says that Whitney's definition of full sex is hairy. And Whitney says there was an oral sex exchange. So she doesn't consider it full sex. I was like, okay, you know, you get to, you get to consider it what you think it is. And I mean, I think that's a very narrow definition of what full uh, girl on girl sex is. But I think mine is, is very <laughs> wide open. So who am I to fucking judge? Um, I don't know why Whitney told Alyssa this. Alyssa is concerned about her cousin. She's pissed. Um, she, and it's not, it's not that she's pissed that Whitney doesn't want to be with Tor. That's not what it's about. She's pissed because Whitney has been upfront with Tor and Tor is her cousin and she cares about her. And it's hurting Alyssa too. And she tells Whitney that she's thinking with her Wawa. <laughs> Whitney tells Tor because a, uh, Alyssa told her to. So Whitney says she wants some things to be good, but she's gotten herself in an uncomfortable situation. And again, Whitney's just concerned about her fucking self. She's, she's concerned about how she feels. She's not doing this because Tor deserves to be told the truth and be, have someone straightforward, just be honest about what's happening. She's doing this because she's like, I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> so, and you know, Whitney just essentially takes her outside and talks to her and says she's been hooking up with chicks since Tor got there and that they never had an a agreement, like whether or not what would happen, like, are we going to be exclusive? Are we going to be seeing other people? What's the deal? And honestly, I think that's both their faults. I can't imagine getting on a plane without confirming what's going to happen and being like, okay, are we just like, are you just friends? You're just going to let me stay in your room or are we going to be hooking up? Are we dating each other? Are you seeing a bunch of other people? Because Tor doesn't know anybody in town either. I mean, if I were Tor, I'd get busy. I'd be like, okay, so I need to start looking for a job. I need to start meeting people. I need to make some friends. I probably wouldn't be at home a lot. And she doesn't have a lot of money, obviously, because she flew, because she's not working. But I mean, she came with some money. So I would do my best to like, do something like in the evenings and go somewhere, even though she doesn't have a car or anything, I would hang out with my cousin. I would, I don't know. I guess Uber's not a thing at this point, but I would taxi play. I would do what I had to do. I would not. And even if it wasn't every night, even if it was twice a week when I wasn't looking for jobs, I would definitely not sit in the house and wait for waiting to come back. And I'm sure Tor didn't, but it's what it looks like. Um, so when he says every time she's hooked up with someone, she's brought Tor's name up and Tor's like, oh, great. So right before you hooked up, you said, but let me tell you about this girl, Tor. And that's what it sounded like she was saying. And he was like, no, no, it's not that. And I'm like, girl, yeah, it is. Like what, what comfort it was that supposed to bring Tor? That was, that was you trying to make sure that you didn't look like the bad guy. You're like, well, I did mention you. That doesn't bring Tor any comfort. That just, you're trying to mitigate you looking like an asshole. So Tor says that Whitney hasn't even been a good friend. <sighs> Oof. Yeah, Whitney, you're saying that you and Tor are just friends that have slept together and sometimes like make out or whatever. But yeah, 
You haven't even been a good friend because a good friend wouldn't leave Tor there by herself all the time, wouldn't like lie about things, wouldn't be sneaking about stuff. A good friend would have said, I want to make sure that you know about this, this, and this. And I just want to make sure you're comfortable. I don't want you to feel bad about things, but I want to make it clear that what we're doing here, a good friend, like coming in here and just being like, hey, so, you know, I hooked up with a bunch of people, Tor. Um, <laughs> that, that's that you're not even a good friend. And Winnie just says that's not true. And she says it like over and over again. She says it like five, six, maybe seven times. Um, she says it over and over again. Like, but it's like she's trying to convince herself. She looks sad. She's like she's going to cry. Um, so next time we see Whitney, she's working with her trainer. So we get like a Nike commercial montage. Whitney's having a hard time quitting smoking at night, <laughs> probably because she's drinking. That's uh, If you're a smoker, my understanding is that when you get a couple of drinks, like the need to smoke is like there. Um, and she's flirting with the trainer. The trainer isn't doing much back, but Whitney did invite her out. Um, cause she still doesn't know what's going on with the trainer. And she's like, I didn't tell her it was a girl party. And I'm like, I don't know if you need to tell her it's a girl party. Like I, if you invite somebody out to a space, like, oh, we're going to this bar. I think that's enough. I don't think you need to be like, oh, there's going to be like all lesbians there. Are you going to be comfortable with that? I just feel like, yeah, we're going out to this particular bar and that's enough. And again, like me having to explain to you that there's going to be all girls there makes it seem like. And you shouldn't be comfortable because who knows, they might get you. <laughs> and I hate that idea of predatory lesbians, predatory bisexuals. I hate that idea of that. So I'm not going to like make it go further by being like, oh, and by the way, <laughs> you be careful. Wear pants because who knows what might happen to you. Like, no, just invite her to the fucking party. And that was fine. Um, so that night at the party, Whitney has tour with her. The trainer meets up with her and then Romy shows up. It's just a lot. Like this, these situations sound stressful to me. Why are they stressful to me? Because I don't know, guys. I just... I just don't want to be in situations like this. I don't want to be in a room with three people that are expecting me to have sexual relationships with them or, or like kind of on the hook for things and have expectations for me. I don't want to do stuff like that. Now, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm annoying, but that's just who I am as a person. I like things to be straightforward. And like Whitney is technically single. That's fine. Like, but she has these intense entanglements with these people and then, like, they're all here. That's annoying to me. Um, she does find out the, tra the trainer's by because she, uh, she, I don't know, they're just talking about the, the crowd or whatever. And she goes, well, I don't even know if you go, if you go for guys or girls or whatever. And the trainer says she's mostly had a relationship with guys, but she dates women too. And I would say I have a similar situation where most of my most of my long-term relationships, even though I'm a serial monogamous, it just happens. I don't try it. I sound like fucking Whitney, but I, I promise I don't. But the two or three very main 
like most important relationships I have had have been with men, but I've dated women in between. And I just have never had like a super long, and I, it's not because I'm not looking for it or anything. It's just, honestly, I feel like things fell into place, certain places and didn't in other places. And so the trainer is bi, but just, you know, so she's willing, she's interested in women, but doesn't mean she's interested in Whitney. <laughs> but Whitney's like, like she, she's like, go, yes. I'm like, Whitney, Whitney, why are you so concerned about whether this lady's gonna fuck you when you have like two, three, if you count Sada, all the, Whitney. But you know what? Whitney's that type of chick. Whitney's that type of chick because here's the deal. When Whitney, Whitney falls into these entanglements, I'm sorry I keep using that word, but that it's so fucking appropriate right now. Whitney falls into these entanglements with these women. And Whitney, um, they get complicated because Whitney's doing a back and forth thing, not being transparent, not being forthright, not, not, and I don't want to use the word honest because it's not like she's dishonest. She's just not clear. Okay. And then those things get complicated. So then immediately Whitney's like looking at somebody else. So what she thinks she needs to do is start something else with somebody else instead of clear these things up. She basically shits all over the place and then goes to look for a new apartment. That's what she's doing. Um, so Whitney and, Ro and Romy have a little spat about Romy, like talking to the trainer and like kind of being interested in the trainer. And that's fine. Like, or it's not fine, but I understand. I understand. Like Whitney says, Romy gives her her signature look, which is a look that they redo on the screen. Um, and Romy just, she's like, Romy, I want to, she's like, Whitney, I want to be with you. And every time I see you, you're like with someone that you're like trying to hook up with. And that's fair, but Romy, you're not with her and she can come to the bar and she can say hello to you and she can hang out and she doesn't have to do this. Um, Whitney says that Romy isn't her girlfriend and Romy's being overly dramatic. And the two of them go off together, have moments in the corner and they're just like kind of arguing. And meanwhile, T's over there. Meanwhile, fucking trainers over there. It's, it's, And they came there with Whitney. Romy didn't come there with Whitney. And like, I just, uh, I don't know, dude. I really don't know. I really don't know what the fuck is going on. And I think it's rude for me to come to some place with you. Now, now if, I'm just pretending like I'm Tor. I'm not saying that like they're all in a relationship and she needs to not be talking to other women or whatever. I'm not saying that at all. But Whitney... You, I came here with you, Whitney. You brought your trainer who you're trying to fuck. Okay. So the two of you, so the two of you, I, it's already weird that you brought her here and you've been like eyeing her. But then you leave me where I am to go over here and have emotional conversations with Romy, who you say is not your girlfriend, but you also, who you say you're not like in a thing with and she's not your girlfriend, but you also take time out of the night to go over here and have these emotional spats like while I'm right here like it's not cool I I mean I like I said she's single she can do what the fuck she wants but she's definitely not being cool she's not being respectful and I agree with Tori she's not a good friend or she's not being a good friend to Tori at the very least
If you want to run around with Romy, I would be like, Romy, I'll call you, dude. We'll have this conversation. But I'm here with my friends and I'm here with these people. And I, this is rude what I'm doing. Um, so Tor's annoyed. And then there's all this drama and they're like leaving and Tor's in the car and, and, uh, Whitney's like, it's not like that with her. She's being way dramatic. It's not like that. It's not. And Tor's like, what the fuck? And like, you know. And then Whitney's like, we didn't even really sleep together. Because again, remember, Whitney's idea of sex, of girl on girl sex is, it's pretty a full on sex is hairy. Like, I don't even know why she threw that in there with, we didn't even do it. And I'm like, girl. You did something <laughs> like, like it kind of doesn't matter what the literal definition is right now. You did something. You're in it with her. You're in something with her. And the fact that she is holds more to it than you do. Yet the two of you are still in this. Like, obviously, Whitney's not in control of Romy. And if Romy is like, we are star-crossed lovers destined to be together and even though we are not in a relationship right now I feel like we are and I'm very upset anytime I see you even looking at anybody cool 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 Whitney's not in charge of that reaction but because Whitney keeps interacting with her and being a part of all this she is responsible for it in some kind of way <sighs> like I'm just gonna say this for the last time not the last time I'm gonna say for the last time this episode Whitney's a fuckboy she is. And it might be because she's young. I don't know how old she is here. Because when she's talking about the pregnancy, she's over 35 and she's been over 35. So she's talking about the pregnancy saying that she's, it's a geriatric or a high-risk pregnancy because she's over 35. And, you know, this is 10 years ago. So she's in her 20s at this point. At the very, She might be 28. She could be 25, whatever. But, so maybe she's going to blame it on her youth. Um, I don't know. But... The fact is, like I said, if it smells like shit everywhere you go, it must be you. And you're in these issues because of the way you communicate with people and the way you handle situations. That's why you're here. Not because everyone else is crazy. It's not that. It's you. So that's it, guys. <laughs> that's it. Um, by the time you, by the time I talk to you guys again, the election will be over. And I'm very happy to be over and we'll know one way or another. But next week, I'm going to be in my own bubble. I'm just going to be minding my business, watching Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, trying to keep my kids fed, trying to keep myself from going crazy. And I hope you try to do the same thing. And I'll see you when I see you. Later. Later.